Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. This episode is brought to you by Minoan. You guys already know how much I love them. If you haven't heard of Minoan yet, which I don't know how that's possible if you listen to this podcast regularly... But Minoan is a shoppable experience available exclusively to short-term rental hosts, and it gets hosts amazing deals on over 200 brands that you already know and love. Parachute Bedding, Crate and Barrel, West Elm, CB2, Casper Mattresses, Bull and Branch Sheets, Brooklinen, Public Goods, Wayfair... Minoan basically harnesses the fact that your short-term rental is a living and breathing showroom and it's welcoming hundreds of guests through its doors every single year. These brands recognize how much power comes with that. So they want to offer hosts major, major discounts, 40, 50, 60% on their items, because the more likely that you are to feature their items in your home, the more likely guests are to experience them and then want to go home and purchase them themselves. And the service is completely free. All you do is sign up and start getting the discounts. You don't have to pay an annual membership fee. There's no monthly subscription. You literally just sign up and start saving money on your furniture. So why have you not signed up yet? Go follow the link in my show notes. Start your account. It's as easy as adding a Chrome extension. And every time you shop these brands, the little Minoan logo pops up in the corner. Instead of adding your items to cart on Pottery Barn's website, you add it to cart in your Minoan extension. Request a custom quote from them, order it from them, and if there's any issues with the items, you can return it directly through Minoan. You can track all of your items all in one place. Friends, don't let friends pay full price for furniture, okay? So as your friend, as your S-tier bestie, I'm telling you, go start saving money on your furniture right now. Now that leads me perfectly into the topic of today's episode, which is how you can make an extra $1,000 this month on your short-term rental. I want to share a handful of tips that are going to help you add revenue on top of your nightly rate, increase your bookings this month, and save some money in some ways so that at the end of this month, you see an extra $1,000 that would not have been there otherwise. Let's jump into these tips. So let's go with the first few. Sometimes the easiest way to make extra money is to just save extra money. Once again, that's where Minoan is going to step in. Even if you're not furnishing your place and it's, it's good to go, you still always have more coffee to replenish. Coffee filters, creamer, olive oil, shampoo, conditioner, all of that stuff. Get your consumables through public goods and save with that Minoan discount. Another way to save money this month, super easy. Find some service you're paying for, probably your Wi-Fi, maybe cable, call them and threaten to cancel. And I guarantee they will say, oh my gosh, no, 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 
we will give you the next three months for free, or we'll give you this month half off. They will come up with something for you. Just call and threaten to cancel. I just did this with my Hulu account. I don't provide Hulu for my guests. This was just for my my personal Hulu account. And I wanted to cancel it because I just haven't been using it as much. And as I went through to try and cancel, it said, hey, hold on. Do you want three months free? We won't charge you at all for three months. You can keep using the service and then we'll charge you again in three months unless you cancel it before then. So I said, okay. I guess I'll keep my Hulu account for now. And I just put a little note in my calendar like a week before that three months expires. I'm going to cancel it again. Uh, Hopefully, it'd be cool if they, you know, hooked me up with another free three months. But whatever. If I have to cancel it after that, that's fine. But it just reminded me that why am I just doing that for my, you know, $12 a month Hulu? You You could do this with... $70 a month on internet, whatever you're paying for your cable, maybe your insurance policy. Try this with your phone bill as well. I mean, you're probably not providing a phone line for your your guests. This doesn't exactly tie into your short-term rental, but you can write off your phone usage when you're doing your taxes. You use your phone for your business to communicate with guests. So try and see if you can save some money on your phone bill by calling and threatening to cancel or switch providers. Easiest way to make extra money is just to save some extra money. All right, next couple tips to just increase some revenue on what you're already doing is first off, if you are not yet, allow pets. I really, really encourage you to try allowing pets. This has been such a game changer for me. I only allow pets in about half of our listings. Some of the owners we work with just don't want to, but in all of our listings, we do allow pets and consistently these listings are booking more and at higher rates. So if you're not yet, please, please, please allow pets. If you are allowing pets, bump up your pet fee. Try bumping it a little bit. I need to do this too. My pet fee is so small. It's only 25 bucks. But here's the thing. The national average that dog owners pay for boarding pets when they can't take them with them is 40 bucks a night. 40 bucks a night. Okay, so first of all, I should be charging at least that much. But keep in mind that Airbnb only applies the pet fee once to the entire reservation. So if you have a three night minimum and you want to charge $40 a night for your pet fee because that's keeping it in line with the national boarding averages, your pet fee could actually be $120. And that is completely fair and in line with with what the rates are out there. But on top of that, how much more do you think owners are willing to pay to keep the pets with them? Most pet owners probably don't want to board their dog for a week. They want to take it with them. So you could even put an additional premium on that just for allowing them to have their pet with them. So I don't know, $150 pet fee? When you think about it like this, that is not entirely unreasonable or out of the question. I would love to know what pet fees you guys are charging, but in my case, if I bump up my pet fee this month from 25 bucks per pet fee to $100 a pet fee, that's an extra 75. If I have 6 reservations this month that bring a pet, that's an extra $450 in my pocket. And this wouldn't even include if you wanted to charge for people to bring a second pet and add that on through the resolution center after the fact. If you're charging $100 as a start base for a pet fee, you could easily say $50 for an additional dog. 
Next way to make some extra money this month is to try raising your cleaning fee. Don't go ahead and just do this arbitrarily, but what I would encourage you to do is check your competition and see what they are charging for homes of the same size, same number of bedrooms and bathrooms that sleep the same number of people. So I personally have been hosting for almost five years. It'll be five years in December for me. And when I started, cleaning rates were obviously a lot lower five years ago than they are today. We've been kind of grandfathered in with this lower rate, and we bring our cleaner so much business across the multiple units that they've, you know, honored this lower price that uh, we we agreed on earlier, even though I know that new owners coming into the area who are just starting a short-term rental now are getting quoted a higher price. So recently, I didn't even realize this, but when I look at comparable listings to mine, they are all charging a cleaning fee that is $25 to $50 higher than what ours is. Personally, I still like being a lower cleaning fee than my competition. I think that that is a competitive advantage. So I'm not going to necessarily go up to the $25 or $50 higher and match my competition, but I might go up by $15. And $15 times you know 10 bookings a month that's an extra $150 in our pocket. So if you're someone who's been hosting for a while and you haven't really checked your competition lately, you're just in the groove doing your own thing, go see what your competitors are charging for their cleaning fees. I guarantee if they are new hosts, they're charging higher than what you are. That might give you a little bit of room to bump up your rates slightly. I would still encourage you to try to be lower if you can use that as an advantage. But you may have a potential 20 to 30 bucks that you could go up by that's not going to hurt you at all and is closer to the fair market rate of what your competitors are charging. Another easy thing you could charge for early check ins and late checkouts. I've talked about this before. I personally don't do this because we do so many back-to-back bookings. It's just too hard to coordinate. But in slower season, when we're not necessarily booked back-to-back, I could definitely play around with this more and and work something out here to my advantage. Or if you're a bigger house that intentionally leaves a one-day gap between all your bookings, go ahead and charge for the late checkouts and early check-ins. These kind of homes are in the perfect situation to take advantage of this. You know that night is going to be vacant anyway. It costs you nothing to let your guests check out two or three hours later and your next guest check-in two or three hours earlier. It still gives you about, what, 18 hours in between the guests to to clean everything. So absolutely, if you are a host that does leave that 24-hour gap between every booking, then a late checkout and an early check-in should be something you're offering to every single guest. Not everyone is going to take you up on it, but if you charge 40 bucks for that, 40 bucks for a late checkout of two hours and another 40 for an early check-in of a couple hours. If just three of your guests a month take you up on that, that's an extra $240 in your pocket right there. Easy. And the last couple tips I have to help you make an extra $1,000 this month on your short-term rental are to sell some things. If you want to be creative here, there's so much you could do with this. I really, really love this company called The Host Co., They are not a sponsor. I'd love for them to one day be because I believe in this product so much and I think what they're doing is so cool. 
what the host code does is they let you create these shoppable moments out of honestly anything you can you can conceive in your listing it can be physical products like you know having fresh flowers delivered or having little hangover kits available at your place you could have branded mugs beanies magnets keychains anything like that bundles of firewood um local coffee so just any physical products like that you can sell through your host co store and it makes it really easy guests just see a link and they can shop straight from there so you don't have to have all these like tacky labels all over the listing trying to get them to venmo you or anything complicated like that there's no back and forth you just link your host co store in one place and then they can go there and see all the physical stuff that you offer you can also include things like you know, massages, or we'll set up a picnic for you somewhere, or we'll bring in a charcuterie board. So you can also come up with these other things that maybe are not a physical product. Uh, If you have kayaks, bikes, or anything like that, and you don't just want to give them away for free, but you want people to pay for those as an added amenity, you can list your, your bikes there. You could have your bikes locked up. And as soon as any guest purchases, you know, a bike rental, then automatically when their host co-purchase gets processed, they'll get sent a message with a code to the bike lock so that they can go and unlock those bikes and take them out for a ride. This is also a really good way to do this if your insurance ever gives you pushback on allowing kayaks or bike rentals or anything. This is usually a good workaround to that. Still talk to your insurance rep, but sometimes if it's something additional they pay for and maybe they have to fill out a quick waiver before they can just use the bikes or the kayaks, that gives you some extra protection. So here's a good way to still make those amenities available and say that you have bikes and kayaks on site, but kind of remove, distance them from the the rental itself and also make a little extra money on that. And another thing you could sell is some of your furniture and decor that is in the listing. You guys know I am a big, big proponent of decluttering your listings. I'm sure if you went through today, there's probably three things minimum you could pick out that you don't really need there that are just adding clutter, something that your cleaner has to dust every single time, something that guests are moving around and shifting every time, something that's just big and in the way. There's probably three things in all of our listings that we could get rid of today. Go sell those things. List them on Facebook Marketplace and maybe you'll make another hundred bucks total. And your cleaner will thank you when the place has less things for her to clean. I know that these last few months have been tough on hosts. I hear it every single day. I get so many messages just saying, bookings feel slower. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I look through their listing and they're literally not doing anything wrong. Look, I've I've felt it too. I mean, we're still managing to keep up occupancy, but rates are much lower. I'm not filled on weekdays as much as I used to be. It's a weird time right now, for sure. And if, if you felt that, you are not alone in feeling that. And so I hope that this episode can just give you some practical tips to get a little bit of extra money in your pocket during this weird time. Like I said, normally I don't do the early check-ins and late checkout charges, but right now we're not necessarily booked back to back every single reservation. So 
I'm more willing to kind of try some of these things that haven't been options in the past. Same thing with upsells. When we're in our crazy busy season, my cleaner would be the one who I would rely on. I'm not there physically. My cleaner would be the one I would be relying on to deliver flowers or champagne or chocolate-covered strawberries that a guest might order. And when we are in the thick of our winter season, there's no way I'm asking my cleaner to do something like that when they are already doing back-to-back cleanings on five, six, seven units in you know a four-hour period. Right now, when things are slower and my cleaners are looking for work, this is a perfect time that I could try something like this. So just keep in mind, because things are slower, it doesn't mean that your business has to suffer. This could be a really good time to adapt and try some things that maybe you've wanted to be creative about but have put on the back burner. Right now, if it is slower for you, use that to your advantage to test out some different things that wouldn't really be feasible in really, really thick, busy season. Take being pet friendly, for example. Maybe during your busy season, being pet friendly is not an option. If a pet were to damage something, you do not have enough time between bookings to take care of those damages. But during slow season, if you've got three, four days between bookings and things are super slow and you're struggling to get bookings, maybe you could just try being pet friendly right now. Maybe you're pet friendly, but you're only allowing one pet. See what allowing two would do. Maybe the damages won't be that bad, but if they are and you've got four days between bookings, you have some time to take care of that stuff. So just be willing to adapt during this time. Calling and canceling subscriptions like we talked about during busy season, that's the last thing on your mind. Right now, if you're bored between bookings and you've got four days between, call up a couple of those services and cancel. Same thing with switching over where you purchase your consumables from. Sometimes we do that stuff on autopilot. Maybe you have a recurring subscription on Amazon and that's how your consumables get replenished. Go take some time and do some research during the slower time to see if you can save money by using Minoan or another service. Selling some furniture during busy season, you're not going to have time to get in there and and take all these photos of a certain piece of furniture and list it on Facebook Marketplace and meet the purchaser when they come to buy it. Right now, maybe you could. So don't be discouraged by the slow season. Use this as a time to try and test out some new different things. Play with pricing, play with adjusted cleaning fees, play with pet fees. You have nothing to lose if you're not booking that much anyway. So this is a really good time to test out different things. And if you try any of these and see yourself making a little bit of extra money, please let me know. I'd love to know which of these tips worked out for you. And I would love to see an extra thousand dollars in all of your pockets in a month because you deserve it. And, and why not you? Why not you go out there, make that money. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, I do need to warn you that this segment is going to be very disturbing. And I normally try to keep this section really lighthearted and finish every episode on kind of a humorous note and just laugh about the things we go through as hosts. This is not that. Uh, This is a series of reels I'm going to play for you that a girl who stayed at an Airbnb in Mexico posted about her experience. And it totally blew up and it's really, really disturbing, uncomfortable to hear her story. So just please be warned um, if that would freak you out. Maybe this is not the right segment for you, but I really, really want to talk about this because I have a lot of thoughts on this. So First, let me quickly explain 
the situation, and then I'm going to play three reels for you because this woman, Tracy, uh, explains her experience at this Airbnb in three different parts. So this girl, Tracy, posted a video talking about how she stayed at an Airbnb in Mexico, and apparently she does this every time she travels to an Airbnb or hotel, but she always sets up a camera facing the door or facing her luggage and belongings every single time. And this time she happened to catch that the host had walked into the room and was going through her purse and luggage very clearly from the footage. You know, it looks like they are either looking for her ID or her passport or just trying to steal any valuables. And it's creepy to watch. And basically she started to assume that he was trying to human traffic her. Uh, You'll hear her explain that he was also, the host was also involved in calling her a taxi service, which later she came to find out she thinks was maybe part of a human trafficking ring. And so that's, that's the context. And I'm going to start to play from her own words, the three reels here. I caught my Airbnb host on camera going through my purse and luggage and possibly tagging me for human trafficking during my stay in Mexico. Goes right to the purse, right to the purse, like he's done this a million times. And there he goes, right in my suitcase, uh, going through each bag. And you won't believe what Airbnb did for me. <laughs> and you guessed it, Airbnb doesn't give a f about your safety. They just want to make money. Because after I alerted them to what had happened and gave them the proof and the video footage, they let me know that they would be investigating. And during that active investigation, I realized they were still allowing other guests to book and stay at the same location that they were investigating. <laughs> So this is what happened. I went to Mexico and I booked an Airbnb with amazing reviews because I had to work a festival for the weekend. So first night I check in, everything's great. He greets me at the door and he lets me in. He introduces me to his parents. They're in the main house, I'm in the guest house that's connected. So before I leave for the festival, I always set up a camera in my Airbnb or my hotel, especially when I'm traveling alone. You know, if somebody comes in and steals something or everything, and I always put the camera on my personal belongings just in case. Part two of my Airbnb host stealing from me and tagging me during my stay in Mexico. So in part one, I wasn't able to tell you why I feel like I was tagged for trafficking. So the day before I set up the camera, um, before I left my Airbnb, I asked my host if he could set up an English-speaking taxi service for me because I really, I didn't want to rely on just Googling something because of what was happening in Tijuana. And again, they made sure to set up a false sense of security because it was a son and like this older couple family that's living together hosting me. So he's like, yeah, no problem. And he gets me this taxi service. The taxi guy comes, but the car is unmarked. So I'm a little reluctant, but I'm like, oh, this is Mexico. And the car's really beat up also. And I'm like, mm, all taxis probably aren't pristine shape. Like this isn't like Uber or something like that, which was kind of a red flag. So I called my dad and made sure I was on the phone with him during my ride in the car. But while I'm on the phone, right before I hang up to go to the festival, the taxi driver is very intrusive with questions. And I know intrusive versus just being nice when I see it. Where do you live? Where are you from? Why are you here? Who were those people I picked you up from? I actually ended up lying and saying they were my cousins, not my Airbnb host, so that he thought that I had family there in Mexico because he was asking me a lot of, a lot of personal questions. So he dropped me off and he's like, hey, when I pick you up at night, just so you feel a little bit more comfortable, I'm going to be bringing my girlfriend and her daughter with me so that there's two women in the car with you. And in my head, I was like, okay, that makes sense. This is Mexico. He knows I'm like, maybe he could tell I was a little uncomfortable. So sure enough, I text him around eight to come get picked up. And he arrives in an actual taxi cab this time with a young woman and like maybe a five-year-old little girl. And they don't speak English, but I'm just trying to joke with them. The little girl's looking at me, like, saying hello and everything. Super cute. And they drop me off at my place. No problem. And he's like, yeah, I'll be your personal taxi now. So let me know when you want to get picked up. And, um, yeah, just text. 
And of course, when I got inside, that's when I saw the video footage that I have in part one, and I decided to pack up and leave immediately. And obviously, uh, I never contact that taxi guy either again because I realized something. Although there were things taken from my purse and luggage, I truly believe that the host father was looking for my identification with my ID and my address on it and my full name. And don't forget, that host is the one that called that cab for me. But in reality, he just gave me a phone number and said that the cab would be arriving to pick me up. And it came in an unmarked car and also picked me up with two very young women late at night. I truly believe that if I did not pack up my things that night and leave, that I would have been in danger. And for the people that think I may be overreacting, um, I also had people saying I was overreacting by bringing a camera with me to my Airbnb and my hotels. And we all see how that panned out and what I found out because of that. Okay, so that's what she posted, those three parts. If there's anything else, I haven't seen it. Um, this, this is all I know. And she does end up saying in the comments that after about three weeks or so, uh, Airbnb did end up refunding her the entire stay. And she also mentions that the last time she looked, the listing was deactivated. So here are my thoughts. And I... No, this is going to be a really controversial take. Um, you know, reading the comments on this, of course, everybody basically was saying like, screw Airbnb. I'm never staying with them again. Why would they not take this seriously? This is so messed up. You know, why Why do they need to conduct an investigation? You showed them the video. They should remove the listing, block this host and refund you and pay you additional compensation. The whole thing. You guys... <sighs> Of course, Airbnb should have done the investigation. I mean, looking at the video that she shows, it's very, very creepy knowing that the host was in her personal space going through her belongings. Like, I, being, if I were a solo female traveler in another country, I, I don't know what I would do. I, I would just, you know, she said she ended up leaving that night the moment she saw that footage. I would do the same thing, and I'd still be scared to do that and wonder if I was being followed. And I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine, like, I I am so sorry for what for what she went through. I don't know. If she needs, like, therapy from this and has major trust issues, I totally get it. But of course, Airbnb has to conduct an investigation. For all they know, when they see that video, this could be... Her boyfriend that she traveled with, she marked that she's a solo traveler. Airbnb doesn't know if she brings someone else with her. And maybe she staged something where, you know, it made it look like her boyfriend or her dad or whoever was with her is going through the stuff. She she set up a camera. What are the odds that you set up a camera? I've never heard of anyone ever traveling and setting up a camera in their Airbnb or hotel room. And all of a sudden, this one person who does catches this. It's very... It's just such a crazy coincidence. I don't doubt her story at all, but that that doesn't matter. We aren't we supposed to live in a system where you're innocent until proven guilty? This is a huge accusation she's putting on the host, alleging that this host is involved in a human trafficking ring and trying to steal their guest's belongings. And she says in the uh, comments that this host uh, had 16 five-star reviews. So why would they... Why would Airbnb just, you know, take her word for it? This is super serious. And I think that they had every right to want to conduct a thorough investigation. I, I don't know. I mean, am I just being a shill for Airbnb right now? Like, fine, I guess you could say that. But 
I think as hosts, a lot of times we feel like guests get the benefit of the doubt and we don't. And this just goes to show that someone in the guest position can feel the exact same way and wonder why their situation isn't being taken seriously. I'm really, really happy actually to see that Airbnb did not just give this girl a refund and deactivate an account without looking into it. Imagine if you were a host and a guest staged something like this to get a refund and Airbnb was just so scared of having a bad look. And I mean, the comments on this was, it was seriously insane. This had over a million views and hundreds, thousands of comments of people saying they will never stay in an Airbnb again because of this. I actually think it was really, really cool of Airbnb to defend a host that had 16 five-star reviews and take the time to do an investigation. And in the end, it says that they did deactivate the account and they refunded her. So I guess in the end, they found out what they needed to. But I I don't know. I'm Maybe something more will come out that will convince me that Airbnb handled it poorly. And again, I, I know that what this girl went through is extremely traumatic. And I'm sure from her point of view, she's just like, pulling her hair out like, are you kidding me? Like, why can't I just get a simple refund? Why are you letting people keep booking? I I don't know. I mean, maybe they could have paused the book. I think I think Airbnb could have paused allowing new people to book in the meantime while the investigation was being conducted. That I think could be a good compromise. But even then, like we know as hosts for a lot of us, missing three weeks or a month of bookings because you know, Airbnb is conducting an investigation is a huge deal to your income. I don't have all the answers. I don't expect Airbnb to handle, you know, every situation perfectly, especially things like this. There's a lot of things to balance and it's very, very tricky. From what I see, I think Airbnb did the best they could by giving that host who had good reviews 16 of them, the benefit of the doubt, taking time to conduct a thorough investigation. And in the end, it seems like they did find something that made them deactivate the listing. I hope that they do more than that, that maybe they can, you know, prevent that host from ever being able to sign up under a new email or ever list that address again. Like, I hope that there's more protections than just deactivating this listing this one time because this is really, really scary. We've seen how many scammers there are, and it would be so easy to fake that that's her boyfriend that's pretending to go through her stuff. In the end, I'm really, really happy, though, that she did film it, because I can't imagine if she did not film that and didn't know that he had gone through her room and stayed there one more night. Who knows if we would have ever heard from that girl again? That is, it gives me chills to think about, so... Any other female solo travelers out there, I think maybe we should start doing that as well and purchase just some small camera that you can set up when you leave the room. Gosh, that's so scary. The Airbnb hole here is definitely that host. I mean, Airbnb hole is, that's like a punchline I use. That's not even the right word here. Like that person is, if they were literally trying to set her up for a human trafficking ring, that person is the scum of the earth and I hope they burn in hell. Again, at, at this moment, I think Airbnb handled it as well as they could have. And I'm actually really encouraged to see that they took the time to conduct an investigation. I know I'm going to get pushed back on this one. This is a really, really sensitive topic, but there are my thoughts on it. Um, you know, for every time we hear a host say that 
uh, hosts get screwed over and guests always get the benefit of the doubt, here's a story for you of of the reverse. So just keep in mind, you know, that the scams can go both ways. And I think uh, Airbnb, Verbo, Expedia, all of these platforms really have to balance both sides. And this is a case where I think that they, I think they did a good job. Unless I see something else come out, I think they did a good job. If you take anything from this episode, let it be a reminder to stay safe when you are traveling. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.